many of them um, from friends all over the country um, were uh, listserv letters, things that had gone out to lots of people. And they were all, um, many of them, many of them were reminders <clears throat> or encouragements or consolations or things to say that people felt they could say to support people in their prayers. And of course, prayers for the people whose lives are immediately touched by kin and relationship by what happened and prayers for the people who died yesterday. And many of them said, um, pray that your heart stays open. And I had two emails that said speechless, which is, I think, what we mostly feel. When you came in this morning, um, the chant that you heard was a chant of uh, Sri Lankan nuns chanting the Metta Sutta. May all beings, all living things, all creatures, all individuals, all personalities, all females, all males, all nobly born, all not nobly born, all deities, all humans, all beings on other realms, may all beings be free from enmity, free from mental suffering, free from physical suffering, may all beings live with ease. I think the next thing from speechless, the next thing up from speechless is prayer. And resolve. This morning, when uh, some of us came at 7 o'clock, we, uh, as we do every month on the second Wednesday of the month, we recited precepts together. Seems like the right thing to do. Seems like whatever else we ever do or talk about. We do or talk about because we've come here to rededicate ourselves to the possibility of having an open heart. We took the refuges and said the precepts. The formula for the refuges, I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha, is a formula when I think about it. 
What I think about when I say I take refuge in the Buddha is I really believe that it's possible for human beings to have a clear mind and a loving heart. I think that's the gift of a human incarnation. In the Metta Sutta, when it says all deities, it means um, entities on angelic realms. Not deity, actually, in the normal way that we think of it in the West, but means um, angels, really. And when it says all beings in lower realms, it uh, means without um, without disrespect, um, animals, all other animals besides human beings, then has human beings in the middle of it. Actually, in the whole of the Buddhist cosmology, there's a list of realms, and human beings are right in the middle of them. And it's said to be the most fortunate incarnation to have a life as a human being. Because we have hearts capable of changing through empathic and compassionate response. Uniquely amongst animals, we can have an impulse to do something that comes from lust or greed or anger and decide not to do it, not out of fear of punishment, but because it breaks our hearts to do it. We have the possibility through encounter of our own compassionate heart to restrain ourselves, to live amicably, to share, to take care of each other. To nurture more than our own kin see past our own kin. You look at the pain in the world today, realize how that pain comes out of seeing otherness, people different than I am, in every way. And the pain that comes out of that, the pain that comes from preserving otherness. (coughs) The suffering that comes from that. It's possible for human beings not to do that. As I sat this morning here, I realized that I am only now 
beginning to be able to bring my mind a little bit close to the images that are burned into our minds from seeing them all day yesterday. Most of the people that I met throughout the day yesterday said, I feel like I'm looking at a movie. It's impossible to think that it's real. Even when you see the image, and really amazing effect of that image literally burned into the mind. You don't see people. You don't see people in the airplane and people in the building. An airplane full of people and a building full of people. I have a feeling if the whole world could see that, the inside of that, and all the people that those people are connected to, and all the people that they're connected to, it would be impossible to do any harm to anyone. That's what I think about when I think about taking refuge in the Buddha. Having a mind that's aware of the possibilities of suffering in the world. On my way here this morning, I stopped to get coffee in a bagel shop. My young man that served me the coffee, we just passed a few phrases back and forth as you do when you buy coffee. Um, and I, I, I don't know exactly what words I said. I said, it's different today than yesterday, something like that. And he said, yes. And then he looked at me and he said, uh, yesterday was my birthday. So I said, how old are you? Are you? He said, I'm 19. Just looked at each other for a minute. Yet it's hard to know how he felt. But there was something in the looking at each other. I heard a news commentator yesterday, sometime in the morning, just as it was just unfolding early in the morning, saying that the people who were uh, walking around the streets of lower Manhattan were looking at each other and saying, you know, people in Manhattan don't usually look at each other. But people were looking at each other, really in the face, as if they wanted to find somebody alive in there that they could connect with and talk to who might say something meaningful, might say something that would make this meaningful. And nothing makes it meaningful, really, except 
heard a uh, grade school principal on the radio today giving uh, some advice, talking about what she had done with her grade school students yesterday. She said they need to be reassured that they're safe. And of course we do. But there's a way, a much larger way than just knowing that there are people in the world planning these kinds of things that we're not. So I also think about that when I'm saying this morning I take refuge in the Buddha, that it's possible to see, really, the the terrible consequences of not clear mind, the terrible consequences of lust, lust for power, lust for revenge, by anyone. Think to myself, I take refuge in the Dharma. I think about Dharma in a very broad way. Of course, it means the teachings of the Dharma is a uh, Sanskrit word. Actually, Dhamma in Pali means what the Buddha taught. It also means what's true and what's real. I think about all the great spiritual traditions that sustain and human beings all over this world that have endured, that all have as their fundamental core kindness and compassion and love and morality. and good behavior that endure as, as religious traditions for human beings because they resonate with the goodness of the hearts of human beings. I found myself telling yesterday not only my grandchildren but my friends, my children, with whomever I spoke, what we assured each other, adult to adult, is that most people are good. Most people are good. All over the world, most people are good. I think about I take refuge in the Dharma. Really, I take refuge in understanding goodness and the teachings of goodness all over the world, in every culture, in every religion. I think about the same when I think about I take refuge in the Sangha. Actually, Sangha is a term that was exclusively used for the uh, robed community, for the community of people who became nuns and monks with the Buddha and later on after him. So it was called the Sangha, it meant the Sangha of people in robes, people vowed to monastic life. 
we've come in the West and here to use it as our community. We mean it, we mean it as our congregation. We mean it as those people who share with us the hope that we can transform our hearts. And through that, the hearts of the world. So I think about it not only in the Spirit Rock congregation and the Buddhist congregations in this country, but all the congregations in this country. Really all the people in this country who are dedicated to lives of kindness. As I drove um, around yesterday doing different errands in San Rafael, different places, listened to the news, I passed by different churches. And, um, it was wonderful to see, heartbreaking and wonderful to see that everyone had a sign outside, vigil happening, come in. I had a message on my answering machine from the congregation I belong to in Santa Rosa saying we have a prayer service tonight. We had a prayer service here last night. We had signs go up between yesterday and today outside that Shelley made yesterday announcing us In the, in the wake of this most terrible day, there was a moment when I saw the signs, and I realized that until now, we've been here 10 years, very quietly, with a little sign that said Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and who knew what we did here? And all of a sudden this morning, in big red letters, it says what we do here. And as you drove in, you probably saw a sign, relatively new, that said, this is Spirit Rock Meditation Center. This community is dedicated to diversity. Did you see that? It always was, but we need to say that. In every way, diversity that every single kind of person, old and young and able and not so able, and woman and man, every possible ethnicity, every possible situation in life, should know that not only is this a place open to everyone, but dedicated to everyone seeing everyone else as everyone, as us. Just as a mother would give her life to save her one and only child, just so should we, towards all beings, open our hearts 
is the last um, stanza of the Metta Sutta. Imagine what the world would be like if every single being in it was our one and only child. There's really nothing to do. I imagine it's true in every congregation, in every tradition, in every denomination of every tradition, that when we come to a place like this, that we look at fundamental scripture and say, this is what we have to say. Love everyone as ourselves. Don't see anyone as different. Keep your heart open. Dedicate yourself to it. If you want to, if it fits you, we'll say in English three times those three refuges. You can think it, you can feel it, you can say it. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. For the second time, I take refuge in the Buddha. For the second time, I take refuge in the Dharma. For the second time, I take refuge in the Sangha. For the third time, I take refuge in the Buddha. For the third time, I take refuge in the Dharma. For the third time, I take refuge in the Sangha. There are five precepts that lay people take Normally, in fact, most often, they sound to me like five different reminders. Sometimes they seem to me like one reminder. In fact, up to today, the one reminder that they have always seemed like to me is the fifth precept. Fifth precept is I undertake the precept to abstain from intoxicants that cloud the mind and lead to heedlessness. And I've always understood intoxicants to mean anything that confuses us that we take in willfully a substance that confuses us, or a mind state that confuses us, or an activity 
that develops a mind state that confuses us so that I count among the intoxicants anger in all of its forms and grudge and indignation and revenge and gossip and all the other things that you can think of that confuse the mind. Reminds me when I say that precept that really it's a dedication to practice, to make sure that I'm awake. so that I see what I'm doing that's either constructing a view or maintaining a view that's harmful to me or to other people. I've always understood that fifth precept as a call to waking up, keeping my mind clear. I thought it was a pretty good precept for that because its most literal state. I think about wooziness from intoxicants that we think about. And I think about the kind of wooziness that's not physically recognizable, the wooziness of wrong thought and wrong view. The wooziness that really keeps us from seeing that we are not other from other people. That there aren't any other people. Somebody said earlier today that what what happened yesterday and New York and Washington actually happened to us. And it did happen to us in whatever way it happened to us, either by direct connection. It happened to us like it happened to the boy in the bagel store. In fact, Uh, We all got born yesterday in a certain way, got born into the rest of our lives. Um, So this morning I thought to myself, the precept that seems most close When we chanted this morning, we chanted all five of them. But I thought we could have done one. We could have done just the first one. I undertake the... We said vow this morning rather than precept. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings. 
The rest of them are actually quite the same as that. The second one is I undertake the precept to abstain from taking that which is not freely given. But the lives that were taken yesterday were not freely given. And the lives of the people who were connected to those people, the lives of people who are irrevocably changed for the rest of their lives now, those were taken. Every time we see people as other, or we forget that they are not other, we are in great peril of forgetting to take care of them. The precept, I undertake the precept to abstain from incorrect speech. It seems like a very specific precept, only having to do with speaking. But really, it's a way in which we so frequently harm other people. We speak ill of them, or we don't... (coughs) We don't hold them in good regard. Don't think of their needs as we speak. We aggrandize ourselves. When we are not, when I am not absolutely clear about what motivates me. I am likely to see things and say things that will harm living beings. I will even do that feeling I am being honest. I've done that feeling I was being honest. And to the best of what I knew, I was honest. And I didn't know. Because I wasn't looking hard enough. I wasn't allowing myself to look inside and really know what was happening. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings means I undertake the vow to really look. I undertake the vow to abstain from expressing my sexuality in a way that exploits or abuses. It's a certain way in which most of the time that seems a quite specific vow having to do with a particular energy of the body. Suddenly it seems to me quite intimately part of the vow to not harm.
Maybe not so much in the way of sexual expression as we often think of sexual expression, but just in the way in which sexuality often is an expression of our maleness, our femaleness, our genderness, and how we hold men and women in our mind and our hearts. And to take the vow to abstain from harming living beings. And the last is I undertake the vow to abstain from anything that confuses my mind. And allows for heedlessness. So if you want to say them with me, I'll say them and you can say them back. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings. I undertake the vow to abstain from taking that which is not freely given. I undertake the vow to abstain from taking that which is not freely given. I undertake the vow to abstain from incorrect speech. I undertake the vow to abstain from incorrect expression of my sexuality. I undertake the vow to abstain from anything that intoxicates and confuses my mind and leads to heedlessness. May our, may these precepts be the cause of uh, peace and well-being for us and for all beings everywhere.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.